Paul is writing to the church at Corinth. This is the second letter that we have in the Bible uh, that he wrote to the Corinthians. If a church today wanted to model themselves after a church in the Bible, uh, they would not want to model themselves after Corinthians. They had a lot of issues going on, a lot of problems, and he's addressing one of them tonight. And so we begin in chapter 11, verse 1 in 2 Corinthians, where he says, I hope you will put up with a little of my foolishness. He just says, I want to talk about some things, but you're already doing that. He said, I'm jealous for you with a godly jealousy. He said, I'm concerned about you. I'm jealous for you. I came there as a missionary. I began the church in Corinth and established it. And other people came to be the pastor and I moved on. And and he said, I'm jealous for you in a godly way. I want to make sure you're doing the right thing and hearing the right things and, and just moving forward with Christ. So he said, I promised you to, the, to one husband, to Christ, so that I might present you as a pure virgin to him. And so as the church today is the bride of Christ, just as Corinth was. Uh, we're the bride, he's the bridegroom. And so we have that marriage relationship with him. And he says, I promised you to Christ as a pure virgin to him, and I want you to remain pure, and so I'm jealous for you to make sure you're doing what you need to be doing. And so it goes on in verse 3. But I'm afraid that just as Eve was deceived by the serpent's cunning, your minds may somehow be led astray from your sincere and pure devotion to Christ. And so he's just drawing two things together here. Eve, Adam, they were in the garden, you know, and they were deceived by the serpent and uh, ate of the fruit they were told not to eat of. And so you know the rest of the story. And he said, I'm, I'm just afraid, I'm just so concerned that you may also be deceived and you may also be led astray from your sincere, your real, sincere means real, and your pure devotion to Christ. He said, I'm, I know that you are now. You're, you're sincere in your relationship with Jesus. Your pure devotion to Him is there. I understand that, but uh, I'm just afraid that your minds are going to be led astray. You're going to be turned away from this devotion and sincerity to Christ. For if someone comes to you and preaches a Jesus other than the Jesus we, we preached, or if you receive a different spirit from the one you received, or a different gospel from the one you accepted, you put up with it easily enough. You're putting up some things you don't need to be putting up with, he said. Such as, if someone preaches a Jesus other than the one we preached, you're putting up with that and you shouldn't be. And so there's people out in the world today that will preach things about Jesus, tell things about Jesus that simply aren't true. Uh, it's, it's in seminary classes, it's in uh, theology books and things like that, that they'll say things like maybe, maybe, just maybe, Jesus wasn't born of a virgin. You know, how could that really be true? And maybe, just maybe, when he was crucified, he really didn't die, he just passed out, and once he got onto that cool stone in the tomb there, he was revived and came back to life. And maybe he really wasn't a sinless person here on earth because uh, maybe he and Mary Magdalene had this relationship. And on and on people go and they're talking about Jesus. I mean, these are teachings out there that you hear, or I have anyway. And so they're preaching things about Jesus then and today that simply aren't true. And so he said, if someone comes to you and preaches a Jesus other than the one we preach, the one that we read about here, don't put up with it. Or if you receive a different spirit than the one you received. He said, when you got saved and when we got saved, we received the Holy Spirit when we get saved. It all happens at the same time. It's not, I got saved and boy, about three or four weeks later, three or four months later, I got the Holy Spirit. Wrong answer. I got saved. I got the Holy Spirit. 
and it's all a one-time event, and it's a lasting event. We'll be looking at that um, in April uh, about the Holy Spirit, that we're sealed. We're sealed with the redemption. We're sealed with the deposit of the Holy Spirit living in us till the day that we go to heaven. And so he doesn't leave, he doesn't come and go, and, and he's there in us from the time we're born again. And so he said, if you got some other spirit other than one, one different than the one you received when you got saved, something's wrong here and you don't need to be putting up with that. Or you heard a different gospel than the one you accepted. You accepted the gospel, the good news of Jesus, that the kingdom of God is here, repentance is here, uh, salvation is here. And if you receive something different than that, you're getting some misled. You're getting some wrong teachings here. And so he goes on to talk further about that within the next few verses. But I want to jump on down to verse 13 and get to where we're going. That's just kind of leading us of what's happening here. He said, for such men, these men he's talking about that are misleading people, are false apostles, deceitful workmen, masquerading as apostles of Christ. Those he's talking about preaching a different Jesus, preaching a different spirit, preaching a different gospel. They're simply false apostles. They're deceitful workmen. They're masquerading as apostles of Christ. So what does he mean by false apostles there? A false apostle would be someone who claims to be an apostle of Christ, but they're not. You know, somebody who's said, Jesus has sent me out to do his work, but they're not. It's a person who claims to be an ambassador for Christ, but they're not. An ambassador, somebody who represents Jesus wherever they go. And so here's these people that are coming into the church there and other places around the world then and around the world now, and they claim to be an apostle of Christ, claim to be an ambassador of Christ, but they're really not. That's just what they claim to be. That's what they tell people are. And so they present information. They present so-called truths that really aren't truth at all. And he said they're not only false apostles, but they're also deceitful workmen. This is a a person claiming to work for Christ, but they trick people into thinking they're working for the Lord. They they claim they're working for Christ. You know, I'm for Jesus. I'm with Jesus. He sent me out to do work for him, and I'm going around doing whatever he wants me to do. But then they begin to trick people into thinking that they're really working for the Lord when really they're not. So he's saying these people are false apostles, they're uh, false uh, leaders and workers. And they're not, only, not only that, but they're also masquerading. Masquerading means they're disguised. They have a disguise on. They change their form and they change their appearance. They look like somebody they're really not. They look like this holy, devoted person to Christ, but they're really not. And so they masquerade. And so he's simply saying there that these people are false apostles, deceitful working, and they're masquerading as these apostles of Christ. An apostle is simply a special messenger sent out by Christ to do his work. And he said that's not who these people are. They're not real. They're not true. They're not working and and teaching the truth. And he says you need to be aware of that, be able to watch for them. And so... There, there's a lot of people out there like that, and, and you can get a lot of books. Uh, I wanted to bring just a few examples today. You have to watch what you read. You have to watch who you watch on TV or watch who you listen to around the world uh, because you find people like this that really aren't preaching the truth or teaching the truth. But I have several that do, and you may know some of these. This is a, uh, every night uh, <clears throat> Cheryl reads two devotions to me every, day, every night. She reads them to me. Uh, one is by uh, Henry Blackaby, the daily devotional by Henry Blackaby, and the other one is by Jeremiah Johnson. And so, David Jeremiah. <laughs> uh, 
I say that every time. <laughs> I said, you can read Jeremiah Johnson to me? So now it's on my mind. So David Jeremiah. But she got these books in today. I didn't even, didn't even ask her if I could bring them tonight. Can I, can I show them these tonight? Go ahead now, huh? <laughs> uh, she, yeah. She had gotten these books in today. Uh, yet, well, today, yeah. Do you know that the post office runs on Sundays to deliver packages? Uh, I mean, we're sitting there watching the ball game this afternoon, or I was watching the ball game. She wasn't. And uh, the lady started barking, and I knew somebody was at the door, and so I looked out, and big old one of those big old U post office trucks, and they had this package. And so it was unbelievable working on Sunday. But anyway, this is by David Jeremiah. It's called Living the 66 Books of the Bible. And so it's just uh, about a two-page uh, commentary about, I just flipped to the book of Exodus, it's about a three-page commentary in the book of Exodus, what, what it means to live by the word in Exodus. And all 66 books of the Bible are like that. Here's one on Haggai, uh, three pages there. You have the key theme, the key challenge, the key verse, the key prayer, and just a synopsis of the book of Haggai. And so all, all 66 books are represented that way. And then also there's one, Understanding the 66 books of the Bible. And so again, he takes about three pages to develop a, uh, a key theme about the book of, say, First Chronicles here. And then it's got a key thought, a key verse, key action, and key prayer. And just tells about how to understand all the books of the Bible. And then there's this uh, DVD that goes with it, Genesis through Revelation in 66 scenes. And so there's a DVD in here that you can watch and it just explains and goes through uh, the books of the Bible telling about things that we need to know. And so that's David Jeremiah. And so he, he goes with the truth. He preaches by the truth, teaches by the truth, writes by the truth. Uh, of course, you can't go wrong with Charles Stanley. You've seen him around for years probably. Uh, this one, just I just pulled one off the bookshelf called 30 Life Principles by Charles Stanley, a study of growing in knowledge and understanding of God. And then, of course, Henry Blackaby uh, and all of his books about experiencing God, the seven realities for experiencing God. And so these are just a few of the books that are at the house that uh, where leaders and teachers and preachers that go by the truth, teach the truth, and, and they preach what Jesus has and, and God has in His Word. And, and so just be aware of who you're reading and who you're following and who you're listening to. Uh, we don't want to be disguised. We don't want to follow somebody who's masquerading. We don't want to follow somebody who's disguised as they sound like the truth and they seem like the truth and they must be the truth because, you know, whatever reason. But are they? Are they really? And then he comes to this point, verse, four, verse 14. And no wonder, no wonder these people are doing what they're doing. No wonder they're masquerading as apostles of Christ when they're really not. And no wonder for Satan himself, here it is, Here's what he looked like, masquerades as an angel of light. And so that's what he looks like to us. That's not really what he looks like behind the disguise, behind the mask. But when he presents himself to the world, he looks like an angel of light. So those two men in that video, they were both wrong. They didn't get it right, either one of them, because he is masquerading an angel of light, and that's how we see him. And that's how he has to come across into the world in which we live because if we saw him for what he really looked like, all the ugliness, all the treachery, all the death, all the trickery and all that, if we could see that for who he really was, we'd put a hand up and we'd walk away from him very quickly. We'd get away from him. 
We wouldn't have anything to do with what he wanted us to do. But he has to disguise himself as an angel of light, so that's what we see. And he, <clears throat> he simply wears this disguise, this shining star, with a glamorous appeal. Why? So people to be drawn to him. He makes everything look great. You know, everything wrong and sinful and awful and terrible and deadly and ends in bad ways. He's, he's got to present it as, as glamorous. He's got to present, present it as a shining star so he can draw us to it because we look at it and say, that looks good, it sounds good, it seems good, it tastes good, it, it, it smells good, it, you know, all that. And so I want to go there. I want to do that. I want to be involved in that. I want to participate in that, whatever it may be. And so he makes it so appealing and so glamorous that we're drawn to it, and therefore we fall for the masquerade, fall for the disguise, and we see him for who he is in the world as an angel of light. So he's simply doing this. The glamorous appeal of Satan makes the average servant of Christ look unappealing and unspiritual by comparison. So when we're walking around speaking truth, following truth, following God's ways, God's will, just being the Christian that God wants us to be, just like the song we sang, how is the world, we sang, sang the song a while ago, how will the world know that we're a Christian? By our love. We're simply loving people, caring about people, having compassion for people, following God's will, God's word, doing it his way. You know, not looking for attention, not looking to have people to just jump up and down when we walk in the room, you know, because we're, we're a Christian, here we come. So that makes it very boring sometimes to some people. Oh, that's what Christianity is all about, what you're doing, you know, about serving and giving and helping and compassion and loving and all. Well, you don't do anything more exciting than that. Well, what's more exciting than serving God, you know? You don't do anything more... Than, Anything more exciting than just following God's will and God's ways? And what's more exciting than that? You know, all this. And so they're looking for some kind of shining star with a glamorous appeal so that they'd be drawn to it. And we come along as just average servant of Christ, just serving God, doing what He wants us to do, walking in it day in and day out. And some people say, mm, That's not very appealing to me. <laughs> that doesn't seem very spiritual to me. And so they walk away from it. And not to pick it up until maybe one day it reaches their ears, reaches their minds, say, that's exactly what I'm looking for. How did you get what you have? How do you live out the way you live out life? And see, when we're going the days ahead after Easter, uh, we're going to be getting into this thing about the emotions. And so the first the first one we're going to be involved in, which is going to take about four weeks, is anger. Because that, after that, we have to follow that up with bitterness, and then we have to follow that up with unforgiveness. And God is just laying this all out over the weeks and months in the past, because here's what happens. When we get angry and stay angry, we become bitter. When we become bitter, we won't forgive somebody. And when we won't forgive somebody, that's when our emotions get all just all this stuff going on. And we carry that anger, carry that bitterness, carry that unforgiveness. And then when somebody says something to us or does something to us or doesn't say the right thing or you know, doesn't do the right thing, what do we do? We we lose it. We we blow up. And we wonder what what happened? Where'd that come from? And it had nothing to do with anything we said or did. It's all this stuff from way back here when we got angry. We stayed angry. We became bitter. 
when we became bitter, we became, began to get, be unforgiving toward whoever and wherever. And it's just still there, and it's all right up in here. And the problem with that is that it keeps us from doing this, being obedient here. Because we got all that anger, bitterness, unforgiveness going on here, and Jesus comes along and says, deny yourself, take up your cross daily and follow me. Well, I'm too mad to do that today. Well, I'm too bitter to do that right now. I'm not forgiving that person. You know, and so that's, and we just, that scripture just goes out because how can we deny self, take up a cross daily and follow Jesus if we're, we've got all this other stuff going on? So those are the first three places we're going, which takes us on through about May. And then we can, be, can begin to go into other emotions and other feelings and other things going on in our mind and walk through all of those to bring healing and to bring an ability to have our emotions under the control of the Holy Spirit. And that's why we did the um, warfare, spiritual warfare first in January and February, uh, putting on the spiritual armor because we've got to put the spiritual armor on every day. Otherwise, we don't know how to fight against these things that are coming at us. And so then we're ready for the battles that are going to come to us as we, we begin working on these things. So a lot out there, but sometimes what people look at when we're serving God, doing what God wants to do, it's unappealing, unspiritual by comparison. So it comes down to pride versus humbleness. When a prideful person says, look at me, look at my shining star, look at my glamorous appeal, and you'll be drawn to what I'm trying to show you, what I'm trying to teach you, where I'm trying to go. And we're saying, well, I'm, I'm just a humble servant of Christ. I just follow Jesus and do what he wants me to do. And, and they have the pride going on. We have the humbleness going on. And so it's not very appealing. Well, look at what I've got. I've got pride and well, I'm just a servant. I'm just, but where's the glamorous appeal? Where's the shining star? Come and look at me. Come and look at what I'm doing. And, and we're just serving. We're not trying to get recognition. We're not trying to get a pat on the back. We're not trying to get a handshake or a letter of appreciation. We're not doing anything like that. We're just being a servant. We're just being humble and living out Christ in our day-to-day life and just serving Him wherever we go. Are we doing that? What does Satan look like? To us, he looks like an angel of light. He looks like the real thing. He looks like somebody we'd be drawn to, somebody we'd be called to, somebody we would want to follow, somebody we'd want to listen to, somebody we'd want to read the books, watch the TV program, hear the DVD, or whatever it may be that he's presenting to us because it sure does look like the light. But are we examining it closely for ourselves? And that's why it's so important for us to read God's Word ourselves. Not just hear it on Sunday morning at a Sunday school class or message or Sunday night or Wednesday night, but for ourselves. God, I'm going to read your word. I'm going to read uh, Romans chapter 13. Now, as I read Romans chapter 13, what are you saying to me? Not what are you saying, but what are you saying to me? And that way we hear the truth for ourselves. We read it for ourselves. We see it for ourselves. And we're following Jesus through his word. Not through what's out there, but what's in here. Hear from Him this week. Make sure you're not following an angel of light and being deceived, tricked, misled, deceived, but following Jesus Himself.